in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. If you want, you can turn there today if you'd like. And it's a passage that that is about the blessing that we have as believers in the days after Jesus. Do you realize it's a blessing to live nowadays? No matter what's happening around us, no matter what the craziness is happening, it's a blessing to live in these worlds now, this world nowadays. And because people in the Old Testament could only dream of what we get to see on a daily basis here in the church and here in, in, in the Christian in the world today. And this is a scripture. It says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's us, are the riches of the glory of this mystery. I'm gonna say mystery today. This mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now this says there's a mystery involved. It's not a Stephen King novel. It's not a a movie. It's much better than that. The mystery is is that Christ in you, the hope of glory. This was and is a revolutionary idea. To the Jews this was first written to, this was revolutionary. This was unbelievable that Christ that could be in us. You see, because for them, salvation was based on what they did. That they brought sacrifices. If you know the Old Testament or anything about it, great. If you don't, I'll explain it to you real quick. That Jesus, Jesus came to do away with those. But God, all, his, all that human history, said you have sin in your life. You need to bring a sacrifice. that will cover over your sin and make it okay with me. Now here's the deal. They did that. As they, they did that and they were faithful with that. But all those years and all those times, it was always a way to point them to Jesus. It pointed them to the cross that said, you can't do enough to earn your salvation. You need a savior. You need help. And it was Jesus Christ and him who gave his life as a ransom for many. But to those Jews, salvation and religion, if you want, if you will, today, was always based on actions that came from the outside, from doing something external. And you know, in my own life, I've understood and realized that we can easily fall to that same kind of, kind of place, too, where we think that what we do, but what we say is that God is out there someplace, that he is, you know, in the sky, or he's the big man up in the clouds, or, or, or whatever else. He's, he's out there somewhere. It's too easy for us to be influenced that spiritual health comes from something on the outside. That's why this was revolutionary to them and to us, that our hope, our, the mystery, is that we have hope because Jesus is not out there. He is in here. And that's, I saw this on action one year, years ago, when I was at a camp and I was counseling. And I remember, I'll never forget this girl's nor name, but I can still see her face. And I remember uh, I was counseling a group of guys. We had this this, this group of girls with us, we were kind of the whole time together. And there was this one girl who was, this was back in the mid-90s, and she was goth. Remember that? She had the black eyes, the black, everything was kind of blacked out, and she had the white face, and she just looked so sad. Everywhere she went, she was sad. All the other kids were having fun and, and playing games. She would always stay off in the distance. And it was like 90 degrees outside, and she is in full black outfit. She has got chains hanging down. She has got to be miserable. And she's sitting out there, and she is just looks miserable. And we tried all we could do to reach this girl. 
And I know this, that my, my sister counselor would try to talk to her about hope and such, and, and she just missed it. She just didn't get it. She would nod her head. She was very kind, very pleasant, very nice, but she was lost, and she had no idea, and she was just standing there, and we were trying with all of our heart to convince her about Jesus Christ and how good he was. And we, and she was, but she was miserable until the, the Wednesday night service. And I remember she was in the very back. She was kind of by herself. She didn't come with friends. She came by herself. She was just sitting there. And, and me and this, this counselor went up to her and said, come down to the front with us. We want to pray with you and just, just you know, pray and, and hit the altar. And so we came down and, and, and the girl put her arm around her, her shoulders and just began to pray for her. And a few minutes went by and all of a sudden I looked at this girl and Black uh, uh, mascara began to run as, as her, she began to cry and weep. And, 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 and began to, color began to come through her white cheeks because the, the makeup that she had and her white cheeks covering up her complexion began to show for her skin and the color and, and the beauty and her eyes began to, to, to all the makeup was beginning to go and to, to run because this girl had learned that the way she dealt with the world was to cover herself up and make a mask the world could not possibly penetrate. And we tried to penetrate that, and it didn't work until Jesus Christ came and until Jesus Christ ministered and touched her. And the, and the years and the pain began to wash away from her eyes, and she changed. And it was awesome. But this story doesn't end there. See, the next year at North Central University, where I went to college as a, as a Bible, Bible school, she came to school where I saw her the freshman year, the first day of her freshman year. And I remember seeing her, and I went up to her, and I was like, man, I renamed, I said, so good to see you. And she had this giant smile on her face, and she was different. She was different. You know what she said? She said, that night at the altar, when you guys wouldn't let me go, that night when you put your arm around me and prayed for me, that was the first time somebody I felt that actually cared about me and actually ministered to me. That was the first time in my life, and she told me her story, and you know what it is. We've heard it a, a hundred times, and it was hard, and it was difficult, and we tried to break through that by ourselves, but not until Jesus Christ came and she had an encounter with him was she changed. That girl was changed for the rest of her life. And that's what I want to talk about, about today, is that what happens when a person encounters Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to turn your Bibles to John chapter 4, and we're going to take a walk through this, this chapter, and we're going to look at the woman at the well. The woman at the well, many of us know the story. If you don't today, you're going to after today. This lady had an encounter with Jesus. Verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, when, J when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, pause, Jesus was starting to get famous. He, there was buzz about him. People knew about him. People started to hear about him. And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the religious elite of the day, started taking notice and said, who is this guy? He's something special. He's something else. we got to find out who he is. And you got to remember, that Jesus came so that people would be freed, and he would come, and he would be the king of the world. And so and that was the idea. And this was a perfect moment for Jesus to take that place. If he was a current uh, politician, he probably would have been stumping for himself. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. You know, it wouldn't have been perfect because the buzz was there. He was doing miracles. He was doing things, and people knew that. But that's what I love about Jesus. 
That Jesus, he had this moment where it was all happening and people started to see who he was. He went a totally different direction when, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had, everyone say had, had to pass through Samaria. That's a big deal. He had to pass through Samaria. There was a road that went from Judea to Galilee. And on the middle of this road was this place called Samaria. And Samaria was a place that most Jews, most of these people would have never gone into. They would have done what they, what they always did. There was a road that went around Samaria so they wouldn't get their sandals dirty with Samaritan dirt. How lovely, right? How wonderful that is. They would go around that because they would not go in. Why? You see, the Jews and the Samaritans were actually, they were brothers, but they had a religious conflict. There is nothing better than a religious conflict, right? I mean, seriously, right? You know, I got a couple, a couple years ago, a, a Christian magazine asked pastors to tell them about some conflicts they have seen in the church. And I got a couple here. There's a whole bunch. Here's a few of my favorites. Uh, one argument was over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard, uh, Pastor Joe, we got to talk, man. I mean, I, no. That was one conflict. Another one was there's a 45-minute heated argument over what filing cabinet to purchase, not making it up, black or brown, two, three, or four drawers. 45 minutes they argued over that. It was like an official cabinet meeting of the church, right? Ah, that's funny. Okay. That was, that's funny to me. Anyway, number three, there was a business meeting that, that took... Uh, took two weeks to solve whether or not the church should purchase a weed whacker. Two to three, uh, two weeks, two times, they, they argued over this. It was a wacky argument. Uh, number four, an argument on whether the church should allow, devil, should allow deviled eggs at church potlucks. Now, can you imagine this? You walk into church potluck, you know, we're having a good dinner, and you bring, you know, Sister Mary Mabel brings her deviled eggs, and someone says, I'm sorry, but we voted that that's not allowed, and so you have to take it out. And she'd probably say, well, I'm going to eat it all, then that's the whole big deal. So I would say that it's allowed as long as there's angel food cake. Then it's like, you know, equals itself out. So uh, the last one, last one, some church members left a church because one member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. My kids are more mature than that, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and when they're not, I, they're in trouble. So, you, you know, Jesus passes right through the heart of this conflict. Why does he do that? Because Jesus has always passed by religious drama to minister and work in the lives of hurting people. Jesus does that in this place right here. Listen to this. And again, what is so important about Samaria that Jesus had to go there. Because it's not normal for him to go. It's not usual. Something here, there's a learning lesson here. Why was it so important? So verse 5, it says, He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. He established his location. We know uh, nowadays that this location is actually a giant, it says field, but it's actually a giant desert. It's blazing hot. There's not much there. Jacob's, this is Jacob's well. It's, you can still find this location. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Now that's interesting because Jesus sits there and he waits for something to happen. 
Now, we, for, if I do this, that could be considered that, well, I just, you know, I'm waiting for, I'm thirsty or whatever else. But Jesus had to go here. He stops and he waits for something. And the Bible continues, it says, it was about the sixth hour. Man, that is a massively important detail. Because what that means is that means that this was actually noon. That he was there about noon. And so the next verses record the longest conversation between Jesus and someone else in the Bible. This is the longest conversation. There's other conversations that happen. This is the longest one. It's fascinating that the longest conversation happens with a nameless woman, a nameless Samaritan woman. It's not some, you know, high-fluting uh, official. It's not Donald Trump, believe it or not. It's not, uh, you know, someone who has a lot of power and authority. It's this woman who's a Samaritan. The longest conversation that anyone has. Let's see what, what happens right here. And it says here in verse 7, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, we think often that Samaritan and good is, is what it is. We think, you know, Samaritans are, are good. But to a Jew, that would have been like saying there's such thing as a good Nickelback song. It's not possible. You know, it, they, they just, some of you guys got this, some of you didn't. But, you know, ask your kids about that. But any, anyway, uh, that, it, it, was not, it was not possible. It was even somewhat offensive. And so listen to the next passage. Does he no doubt this lady understands how this works too? Watch her attitude. She says in verse 9, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then the Bible gives this detail, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. What comes as this this passage unfolds becomes very clear about this woman. There's something about her. See, normally I would say when someone asks her for something, it's because they want something from her. When, When Jesus asked her for a drink, it's not because he needs a drink. And I want you to hear this today. A truth will emerge from this encounter between this woman and Jesus When Jesus asks for something, it's not because he needs it, it's because we need something else. I have seen that truth happen in my life time and time and time and time and time and time again. When Jesus asks me for something, and oftentimes when he asks me for something, it is a challenge, or it is tough, or it is whatever else. He's asking her for something here. But see, this is not just any man. This is not just any ordinary person. This is Jesus. And so he says in verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God who was saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, who was him, who was myself, and he would have given you living water. It's a fascinating response to that, isn't it? Jesus basically said, lady, I am God's gift to women, you know, and and God's gift to men. And for the most part, that might have seemed like it was a pretty, you know, pretty terrible situation and thing to say. But could there have been any truer statement than that was between Jesus and this woman? He was and is and indeed is God's gift. He was and is and indeed. And see, but he could say that to her, but she has no idea of the truth of that statement yet. And that's fascinating. He begins to lay down and says, I am the gift of God, but I'm not just going to tell you that. I'm going to show it to you as well. And just the fact that she was there at this well at noon reveals something about her. 
History tells us that because of the location of Jacob's well, that because it was in the, in the, in the, in the heat, it was in, a, it was in a, a hot place, there was really nothing around it, it was hot, that you did not go to Jacob's well in the middle of the day. And you say, well, why not? How do you know? Well, do you want to go to a well in the middle of the desert at high noon, right? It's pretty obvious that what happened was you went to the well in the early morning before the sun rose, or you came back in the afternoon or in the evening before the sun at, at, at dusk because it was cooler. And what was happening here at the well, the well was a social location. That you came to the well to not just get water, you came to the well to also talk to people and build community, and the well was a community place. But the well was desolate at noon. And if you came to the well at noon, which a few did, if you came to the well at noon, it meant something about the kind of person you were. It meant that you came to hide from people. It meant that you came to avoid from talking. It meant that you were like the guy or the lady on the plane. It sits down, you got your iPad, and you got your, you got your, your music in your ears, and your magazine, and you got your eye patch thing so no one will talk to you, and then you sit next to me. And you think, oh no, this is not good because this guy's going to talk to me because I was born with my mouth open. And so, you know, I'll sit there and say, how you doing? Good to see you. And they're like, I can tell. People are like, don't talk to me right now. And I say, I'm talking to you anyway. And so I'll talk to him and such. And, and, and that's the situation. She's here because she doesn't want to talk to anybody. And then catch this. The woman said to him here, said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Sir, you, you have no bucket. How, come you, how can you come to this place? How can you come to this well with, with, with you're thirsty and you're tired, it's hot, it's, you know, the, the sun's up in the air. How can you come and have no buckets? Are you just another guy that's come along and needs something from me? Are you just another guy that's coming along that's trying to hit on me or whatever else? Who knows what's going through her mind at that point? Certainly, it's not out of the question, knowing what kind of woman that she was. We'll discover in a little bit. She says, the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Then she says, she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? And Jesus could have said, uh, yeah, actually, I made your father Jacob. And so she, he gave us this well to drink from, as did his sons and his livestock. Sir, you, you have no bucket. How are you going to do this? And then Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. Woman, this water you drink is going to make you thirsty again. It's just you just know it. But what I give will not. But she still doesn't quite get it yet. Because she's focused on the bucket. She's focused on the bucket. You have no bucket. Here's the truth today. This woman came to a well with a bucket and met the well who didn't need a bucket. I, I love Jesus. He uses the prop of the well behind him to explain a truth that is really, frankly, quite difficult to grasp until we see it like this. Jesus wanted her and wanted us to realize that it's not an issue of the bucket. It's an issue of the well. See, here's the deal is that many of us come to the well or come to life or come to things and we're thirsty. We need something. And we come, we think, if I only had a bigger bucket. 
I only had a bigger house, if I only had a, a nicer car, if I only had a new truck, if I only had this, if, 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 if I had more kids or, or if I had more friends or if I had a bigger influencing job or if I had whatever, if I had a bigger deer stand or if I had whatever you might think, if I only had a bigger bucket, then I could be, thir- and I wouldn't have to thirst again. And some of us get smart. We think, well, okay, I don't need a bigger bucket. I need, I need a smaller bucket. That's my daughter's, okay, so come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't need a, a bigger bucket. I need less friends. I need less people around me. If I could just get off in the corner and, and, and have no one talk to me, if I could maybe, you know, buy one of those, those small, tiny houses, you know, all those houses that we all wish we'd have, but you, you actually buy one, you're miserable, one of those kind of places. If I only had that and parked out in the middle of no place, then I would be fulfilled and happy. If I only had less of something, if I only had less of problems, if I had, had less, then maybe I could feel and be fulfilled. Maybe today you say, man, I, I, what I really need is I need, a, 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 I need, a, I need to be fulfilled. I'm hungry. I, right now you're thinking, I really want some chicken, right? I don't know why, but, you know, if I only had a, 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 a bucket, if I only had a different kind of bucket, if I only had fulfillment, if I could only cook or, or had food right now, and we, we get so focused and caught up on food and on feeding our faces and such that we forget sometimes the point. There's a whole message around that. If I had that bucket, I'd be happy. If I only had sports, or if I only had more fun in my life, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too serious, I, I'm too focused on, on work and stuff. If I only had more fun, if my kids were only more involved in sports, if my kids were only all-stars at their game, then I'd be happy. Then I would have, have joy and peace. If I only had this or had that, we think, man, if I just had this bucket, then I could feel fulfilled. I mean, for some of us, we think, if I only had this bucket, we, 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 we medicate our issues away. We think, if I only had this, if I only had that, if I only had a drink, if I only had a smoke, if I only had this, then I'd be happy. How many of you know that's what the case in, the, in our culture says today? you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not full of life and joy, you need to drink, or you need to eat, or you need sports, or you need whatever else, that you need this, and then you'll be happy. But how many of us know that does not fulfill? See, Jesus came to the well to show this woman that she didn't need a better bucket. She needed the right well. How many of us live our lives thinking, God, if I only had this or if I only had that. Here's a a truth I want to show you today. It's not about the buckets. If we're at the wrong well, Jesus uses that backdrop to show us that's true. And, of course, the woman, the the clouds began to part. And and she begins to say, oh, okay, this is not just some normal guy. Maybe he's got something here. And so she said, verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here anymore to draw water. So she says, you got magic water? Really? You got some magic water I can get that... I don't have to come out here in the mo- in, anymore in the middle of the day. I don't have to walk out here under the shadow of guilt because everyone knows why I'm out here. They know I'm here at noon. They know. They talk about me. They talk about my, my situation. I, I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm unhappy. I'm all these things. You mean I could stay in my house and I could have no one talk to me anymore? You got magic water? Give me some of that magic water. 
He says, there's something about this guy that's, that's different. And she starts to, to see it. Give me some of that. And, but she doesn't quite get it yet because Jesus changes course and takes it deeper. In verse 16, he says, go call your husbands and come here. Now he's meddling. <laughs> now he's getting deeper because that's a normal question for most of us, right? If you're a woman and you call that, yeah, that's you're probably married. She's probably that way, but... She knows a secret, and so does Jesus. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Why did he have to walk through this? Because there was a woman at the well who, who was in this situation, and it's getting personal. And in verse 17, she says, the woman answered him, I, I have no husband. Again, nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong. She, she, nothing, no deal, no problems with that. That's normal, but... But not to this woman. There's a deeper issue that Jesus knows about in this passage. And that's why we need an encounter with Jesus. You can lie to me. You can lie to your friends. You can lie to your spouse. You can lie to yourself. You can't lie to Jesus. This woman is here, and she is hungry, she is thirsty. She has no idea, though, what her real need is. But someone does, who had to pass through Samaria to come and to talk to her and to minister here. To this lady right here, you see, this is the deal, that things can stay at the surface until Jesus starts to narrow down from what we think we need to what we actually need. It's not always so comfortable. And, she says to, and Jesus says to her, I can't imagine her mind had to be blown. You're right in saying you have no husband. How do you know that? Because he had to pass through Samaria. He thought she needed water. He thought, if I just had the right bucket, if you, sir, have the right bucket, you'll get what you came for. Jesus gave her what she needed, not what she came for. And see, that's the thing. Oftentimes, God bypasses what you hope for to give you what you need. See, here's the deal here, is that she, he points out her life of the foolishness that she's doing. This woman thinks that her situation is the right way to live, that she is doing the best that she can. She is trying the best. She needs this. And in this case, her medicine of choice is not drugs or alcohol or whatever else. Her medicine of choice is men, which becomes clear here as it continues on. And because oftentimes God bypasses what you hope for to give you what you need. This woman is living in sin. Now here's the deal. You can hear that and say, how could you judge like that? What kind of a guy are you? What kind of person are you? That's why I don't like the church because you're judging. But here's the deal. He said, well, this woman was living in sin, and that sin was destroying her life. She's here at noon. You think this, a woman like this is happy? You think she's fulfilled? You think that her life is what she thought it was going to be when she was a little girl? You think that, that this is all she dreamed about? You see, God oftentimes bypasses what you hope for to give you what you need. A couple years ago, there was a, a story of a, of a, of a, of a woman who um, was getting married. And so she wanted to order a wedding cake and the most beautiful ornate cake she could possibly get. So she found the, the best baker in town, and she wrote out on her order, I want on my cake a specific Bible verse. She said, I want on my cake 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, which is, 
perfect love casts out fear. It's a great verse. It's a, a wonderful verse for a script for a, a wedding. And so she puts it on her, or so she thinks, puts it on her, on her order form. And uh, this, uh, this, this happens, and the, the baker calls her days later and says, are you sure you want that on your cake? And she said, yeah, that's what I want. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I want that on my cake. She, he goes, are you sure? And she said, yes, I'm sure. He goes, do you know what it says? And she said, yes, I know what it says. She said, I put it on my, on my order. Put on my cake what I ordered. And the guy said, really? You really want it on your cake? And he said, she said, yes, put the verse on my cake. And so he says, okay. Hangs the phone up. And then uh, several weeks later when the wedding happens, uh, the cake comes, it's beautiful, it's ornate, it's just as she dreamed. And attached to the cake is her original order form and a note that says, this is what you wanted. Because when she read it, she was horrified what it said, because she did not write 1 John 4.18. She wrote John 4.18. So her cake read, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are not with is now your husband. What you have said is true. I, it's ma- I'm not making it up. No. <laughs> Jesus just won't let, man, I lost you now. Jesus just won't let this woman go. You have tried all kinds of nonsense. I know about your friend with benefits. You've tried to hide it, but you are now drawing water here in the middle of the day. You're finding life in the wrong places. You don't need a bucket. You need a better well. And then this woman, now she's starting to get it. So verse 19, she's he says, she says to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem that the place is where people got to go to worship. You read this, you think, man, that sounds puzzling. But she does something here that many of us do when God begins to confront us. She counters Jesus' words with religion, with outside, external things. And she says, well, okay, you're a prophet, so here we go. This is what it said. This is what it says. She deflects to religion. She does, she, she tries to do things externally when what we need is an internal encounter with Jesus. We need to be ministered to by Jesus internally. That's why the scripture says in Colossians that the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not outside, not what you try and do and all this kind of stuff. It's Christ in you. There's the hope of glory. And so verse 21, Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem do you worship the Father. He says something here that is so important. He says, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. And the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus prophesies and points forward to what's going to happen in, in, in a little bit, and what we, we now celebrate today. But he also tells her in this moment as well, forget all that. You've missed the point. The hope isn't filling your religious bucket. The hope isn't filling your man bucket or your this bucket or that. The, the good news is far better than that. You think that she'd almost get it, but she's, not almost, she's almost there, but not quite. She says, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes... He will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I am he who you seek. And there, in that moment, she got it. The band could come, or Pastor Joe could come quickly and quietly. She got it. Christ in me, hope of glory. 
She finally realized she didn't need a bucket to draw water. I am he who will cause you to never thirst. How? She had an encounter with him. See, we have a problem in our society, and the problem runs deep, deeper than we might think. We have come to the place, including in our in church, we think that if I just do this, and I do that, and I do this, and I do that, it's all external, then I'll be happy, and I'll be fulfilled, and I have, I've just got to find a bigger and a better bucket. The problem is we've got generations of Christians who have never encountered Jesus. Because listen to what happens if you skip down to verse 28. The woman does what? She left her water jar and went into town to the people, the very ones she was hiding from, the very ones that she was walked away from, went back to them and said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Okay, it's not about the buckets when you are standing in front of the well. I remember a time, as Pastor Joe plays, I remember a time when this became clear in, in my life. I remember in Bible college, and I've told part of the story before to some of you, but none of you all know the story. In Bible college, and I was struggling with my call to ministry. God, how can you use a confused, stuttering boy from Monticello, Minnesota? I don't get it. I'm struggling here. It was tough. I remember God began to minister and work in my life. And I remember one night, I was in my dorm room, and I was just hanging with my friends, and I got tired, and I was frustrated with some stuff. So I walked out of my dorm, and I got into my little 93 Ford Ranger, and I, I strapped myself in. I said, I'm driving someplace. I don't know where. I'm going someplace. And so I began to drive. And I drove. I lived in downtown Minneapolis. I got an I-35W and just began to go north. I had no place to go. I had no direction. I had no, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew that I needed to get away with Jesus. I began to drive. I turned off my worship music. I turned off everything. It was raining. Just me and God. And I have never prayed with such heart, such passion, such purpose. I remember saying, God, I need you. Lord, I know a lot about you. I was raised in church. I was raised, and I knew, I knew a ton about God. I was in Bible college, for Pete's sake. I know a lot about you, God, but I, I, need, I need you. And I drove, and I drove, and I drove, and I drove, and I continued that prayer, and continued asking, and continued that, and then just north of Forest Lake, there was a, a, a pull-off, and I, I pulled off, and I, I got on my truck, and I remember... Now you think you thought I was weird, weird before. Now I think I'm really weird. I remember going in the back of my truck and it's raining out. I sat back there and I just said, God, I, I'm not leaving this place. You come and minister to me. I learned something about my life that I need. And not just then, not just yesterday, but today, tomorrow, and every day after this, I need an encounter with God. God showed up in that parking lot. God ministered to me in that place. And God spoke to me as I was sitting in the back of my truck with rain coming down. He said, Steve, you're trying so hard. You're doing so much. I love you. I, I love you. And I want your heart. I don't want what you can do for me. I want you because I love you. I don't love what you bring to the table. I love you. You, Steve, you. Would you stop trying so hard? You stop trying to fill your buckets. You have to, to, to matter and just realize that I love you. 
I'll tell you something, that moment God transformed me and changed me. It did something in me and I've never seen more opportunity in my life for what I, what I was hungry and thirsty for until I put down the bucket and I came to the well to the one who didn't need a bucket. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? I understand today being Easter that I'm talking to a room of people from all facets and walks of life. Some here today say, man, I, I know him, I love him, I worship him, he is my God, he's my king, he's my everything. And to you, I want to encourage you like this. I, I love that, it's wonderful. But don't walk away from needing the encounter with Jesus. Don't walk away from saying, God, I, I know you and I want to know you, but Jesus, I still understand and know that what I need, what I need, what I need is an encounter with you. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, I'll tell you, you can have that. When you come to him hungry. Maybe you're here today and you're a, you, you come to church week in and week out and God, you just, you love God, but you also have a lot of buckets. And those buckets are, are full, you're, you're carrying them, there's maybe even doing it with success. You have a lot of success, a lot of great things, and you have a, a lot of buckets. But you wonder deep down inside why you don't feel that connection with God. And I'll tell you what it is. It's what this scripture illustrates for us. That there's good things that God gives us, but fulfillment in life isn't about a better bucket. It's about the one who is the well who, that never runs dry. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I... I I don't know Jesus. I don't, I don't know that life that you talk about today. I don't tell you this because I'm just making it because it makes you feel better. I, I believe this. This is my heart. I see it. I've seen God do it in me. If you would come to him and you would lay down your buckets, maybe you have a bucket of pride or a bucket of, of, of trying to find fulfillment in men or, or women or alcohol or sports or work, or whatever. I mean, there's a million things. You've tried to find fulfillment in it, and it's not working, and no one knows it but you do in your hearts. I want to encourage you today to lay down the bucket in front of the well that never runs dry. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Right now, no one looking around this, in this moment you're here today and you're in that last group this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus but you're ready today this is the day this is the time this is the moment that you say okay I've tried buckets I've tried that you're right Steve you're right I, I I'm gonna lay my life before him no one looking around no one a moment between that person that's you today I want to encourage you to raise your hand that's me Amen. We got, got a hand. Anybody else? You say, that's me. I, I, I'm, I'm laying on my buckets today. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I'm through. It's over. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Hallelujah. That's good. Praise Jesus. I want Christians praying right now. If you raised your hands, I'm going to pray a prayer with you this morning. This prayer is not magical. This prayer is not the only thing you can pray. But I know a lot of times people that say, well, I don't know how to pray, so I'm going to help you. So when I pray this, I want you to repeat after me. And let's all do this today. If you raised your hand today, I want to encourage you 
to repeat this today, but don't just say it because it's like this empty thing. We talked about it all day long today. Say, God, this is my heart. What I want to do right now is walk you through just a prayer of, 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 of sorrow to God for your sin and a replacement of your bucket to, 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 to take upon his. Jesus, pray with me afterwards today, church, if you would. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I'm done trying to do it alone. I'm done trying to hold on all these buckets. I lay them before you right now. I am sorry for my sin. I see now what it is. That it hurts your heart. It's not your will for my life. I repent of it and I turn around. And from this day forward, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, today, church, there are people that, are, that, are, that, are, that have given their hearts to Christ this morning in his church. Let's give him praise this morning for his goodness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you pray that prayer today, I want to encourage you to come talk to myself, or you'll see in a minute, say people will be up here. Tell them you pray that prayer, and we're going to want to help you and walk you through that. So our desire is not to embarrass, but our desire is to help, and our desire is to be a part of, of helping you to do that. Let's stand across this room this morning, because I know today as well, that there are those here today that say, Pastor, that message was for me today. And, and you're looking at numero uno. <laughs> as I prepare this message, I thought of the buckets that I have. The buckets of success, the buckets of trying to prove there is buckets that I have that I've tried to fulfill and it doesn't work. Because Jesus is the only, Jesus is the right way. He is the well. He is it. Hallelujah this morning. And church, if that's you, as Pastor Joe leads us in a song today, I want to encourage you to come. If you need to, find a place around this altar. Don't rush out of here today. But allow God, just spend some time with him, just you and him, and say, Jesus, I lay down these buckets before you. And I want, Lord Jesus, I want you this morning. I want an encounter with you today. Don't leave this place without having an encounter with Jesus. It doesn't have to happen in your truck or your car or someplace else. It can happen right here. And I encourage you, this is the altar. This is not a magical place. But there's blessing when we, there's anointing when we go and we move. And so I want to encourage you today as he sings, if you feel led, come and find a place. Prayer to you if you could. As people come, uh, just put your hand on their backs, pray for them today. We want to be a, a, a place that's supportive and helping people to find and follow Jesus. Lord, we give you our lives. We give you our hearts. We recognize, Lord, that we have not always done it right. And this, no, this morning, Lord, we turn our backs on that. We repent. We lay down those buckets. I pray, Jesus, as people lay down buckets of relationships or drugs or alcohol, Lord, or, or, or whatever else it might be of money, of position, power. We lay those things down, Jesus, that you would come, take them up, Lord God, and minister. And Lord, speak to that person today. I pray this in Jesus' name.